Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I wanted to tell you about a new program I've begun with the Foundation for Constitutional Government. It's called Conversations, and I invite leading figures in American political and intellectual life for in-depth discussions. Recent ones we've had include Vice President Dick Cheney, General Jack Keane, and Peter Thiel. You can find these and all the conversations online at our website, which is conversationswithbillcrystal.org. They're also available on YouTube and on iTunes. So if you register at the website, conversationswithbillcrystal.org, we'll send you emails to alert you to the new ones we add every two weeks. I think you'll enjoy them. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, obviously the story that dominated this week in Washington and in American politics, President Obama's long-awaited decision on uh, immigration, amnesty, regularization, or whatever code words they were using last night. Uh, he, he went ahead and, yes, he, he, he used a lot of code words last night and made it seem as if he was doing something totally reasonable, well within the law, just frustrated by Congress not acting. In fact, he uh, just to prevent those deportations that are happening right and left, I guess, he seems, I think he already has exercised his prosecutorial discretion basically to cut back on deportations to almost none. So what he's doing is way beyond prosecutorial discretion. It is a genuine abuse, I think, of presidential power. The Republicans, and not just Republicans, are right to be outraged. Democratic senators have said they don't think it's the right thing to do. I think politically it's a very strange thing for Obama to do, honestly. I think it's really going to allow Republicans to be both strong on the issue substantively and to say truthfully that, look, we're defending the rule of law, and this president is now just acting in an arbitrary manner. Well, before we get to the Republicans' likely response, this is the part that puzzles me. The president announced that we were going to fix a broken immigration system. If I'm not mistaken, the only part of our immigration system is the enforcement part. If you want to come to America with papers, without papers, with Ebola even, you can get here. It's it's a piece of cake to actually immigrate here. The challenge is how does the nation enforce its laws to control immigration just like every other country does. If I'm not mistaken, Bill, he said really in, in a serious sense nothing about enforcement or enforcement fixes of any kind. Absolutely right. And I do think Republicans have a chance. I, I think any prospect of any kind of sensible immigration reform is now gone for the next two years. So I don't think Republicans can trust Obama to do anything, to enforce anything. There are You could imagine piecemeal pieces of legislation you could get votes for, including Democratic votes for in the Senate and the House. But I just think nothing will pass that's in terms of fixing the system. But, but, strengthening the border and, and enforcement, I think that could and should pass the House. I mean, one problem we now have is the president has given an amnesty. They will probably have the magnet in, you know, effect of drawing people into the country. We could have another border crisis. And I think it's a matter of good governance as well as good politics, really. The Republican Congress should say, you know what, we totally disapprove of what you've done. We're trying to defund it and stop it. But meanwhile, we've got to have serious border security. And I think that's what they should pass at the beginning of January. And let's see if the president refuses to sign that. He says he's for securing the border, but of course he's done nothing to, to do it, and if anything, he's gone the other way. But here's a bipartisan dilemma, which is the model that's always offered is, if you give me amnesty today, I promise to give you border security and a hamburger on Tuesday. And I don't know any serious-minded person, Bill, who believes that Washington, the way it's constructed, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever, will in fact do the only enforcement that matters, which is interior enforcement. Go to workplaces and make sure that everybody has a Social Security number or the number they're supposed to have. And if they don't, you know, uh, take the legal action, the law enforcement action of, of not, them not being able to work there and eventually either being deported or self-deporting. And so you can make 
any agreement you want, but I don't think anyone believes this president, and quite frankly, another president, is going to enforce the law. Well, there's the limits of what Congress could do about that, but they can at least signal that for now, for them, uh, the only thing on the agenda is border security and internal enforcement, and they can at least pass laws that would show how to do it if they can't, I suppose, compel the president to fully enforce those laws or, of course, to sign those laws. I do think one of the things that's been missed, though, in what's happened, I, I was stepping back from it and trying to think it through, I would say that in a certain way this was a big defeat for the true immigra- immigration liberalizers. What they, they, they huffed and they tried to, well, I think of the last two years, let's put it this way. If we had been having this conversation in January of 2013, uh, everything teed up for immigration reform. Republicans in disarray, Republican elites, business elites, totally for it. Gang of Eight bill ran through the Senate with, what, 68 votes, I think. If you had said they would not get it to the floor of the House, they would get nothing through the House, the House Republicans, despite being hammered by all kinds of politically correct thinkers and their own business donors and so forth, would hang tough and refuse to let it come up. And then the president, in this dramatic gesture, after getting wiped out in the midterm elections, in an election in which immigration helped Republicans, and incidentally, Republicans increased their vote among Latinos, the president would then issue this work permit for 5 million people, basically. I think what that, the effect of that is to take path to citizenship, which was the core of the Gang of Eight bill, off the table. I feel that personally. I'd say at one point I was open to thinking about a way to pass the citizenship. I kind of think now, you know what, maybe at the end of the day there'll be a path to a work permit, a legal path, a proper, appropriate path, because we're not going to deport all 11 million, and a lot of them are working anyway. I take that point. But I personally feel that the path to citizenship now goes way further to the back of the line. I suspect a lot of people who've been on the fence on immigration feel that way. So if you really are a liberal immigration reformer, I think, apart from rallying to Obama for the moment, and it's exciting to have these rallies and, and so forth, I, I think if you step back, you, it's, a big, it's a step back for them, I think. It's part of uh, the problem that you have in the Middle East where uh, there are people in Israel who are ready to for a two-state solution. They're ready to negotiate for peace, but they don't have a partner for peace. There's no one they can negotiate with. Similarly, with the amnesty movement, if the people behind it simply will not accept enforcement ever under any circumstance, if their position is always going to be, well, deportations are wrong, then you have no one to cut a deal with. And I agree with you. They have so, to use another phrase of the week, Bill, poisoned the well when it comes to trust because the president's willing to say, I don't care what the law says, I'm just going to do what I want anyway. I think it hurts it. But, Bill, I thought the sentence of the night was, I know some of the critics of this action call it amnesty. Well, it's not. Yeah, really. And then that was it. He just moved on. He didn't. No, I, I don't even need to argue the point. I just, it's, it's right. not. It just isn't. Well, that's supposed to intimidate us from saying it's amnesty. I don't think it's going to work. But I think your, your earlier point, just to emphasize it one more time, I think it's really important. Yeah, no enforcement, no citizenship. I think that's kind of the, the way things now stand. And since this president is not going to enforce it, he's taken citizenship off the table. And he, even if there's a Republican president, I think people are going to be so suspicious right. in the way of the executive branch that we're going to have to have and should have probably enforcement for two, three years before we even get to a serious effort at legalization, which I think will not include citizenship. So I actually think the last two years has been an interesting case study in American politics where the elites were all on one side, the pressure was all on one side, and the actual movement has gone in the other direction. Right. It's similar to what happened to the pro-life movement where it was considered you know, uh, anathema uh, 15 years ago to be pro-life, and now the numbers have changed completely And the, because the average person kept getting more information, learning, seeing those sonograms for themselves, and they didn't listen to the elites who said, oh, abortion, it's a done 
done deal. Let's move before we run out of time, Bill, to the Middle East. And it was, you know, if you didn't have this drama created by the president's uh, announcements, I would argue that the real action was in the Middle East in the sense that the Iranian talks are hitting that point where there's either going to be a resolution or yet another postponement where the death of, and I, I love the strange reporting here, three Israeli Americans not three Americans who also have citizenship in Israel, but this 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 odd construct by the media. So they make sure you know they're not really American Americans who are getting killed right. over there. It's Americans you don't have to care as much about. You know, died in this uh, violence in a uh, synagogue. Uh, there's there a lot happened this week that could have consequences for months, years to come. No, absolutely. I mean, the peace process is finished. I think the peace process has really become a terror process in the sense that it is when John Kerry uh, makes it seem as if responds to murders like this by saying, oh, the Israelis have to do more to negotiate. It just encourages, unfortunately, some of the Palestinians to put more pressure on, and the way they put pressure on is by terror acts. This was a synagogue in West Jerusalem. It had not, I mean, it's obviously it's wrong to kill anyone, to kill Israelis, Jews, to kill, to kill Arabs, you know, in, in East Jerusalem as well. But this is in West, this is part of Jerusalem that has been Jerusalem since West and Israeli control since the state of Israel was created. It's, there's no issue here of, you know, settlers occupying Palestinian villages. They were worshiping way to the West in Jerusalem. And they were killed and murdered in the most brutal way and celebrated by Palestinians in the street and by Hamas and by Palestinian Islamic Jihad and tepidly, tepidly condemned by Mahmoud Abbas, the, the head of the Palestinian Authority, which gets a heck of a lot of uh, American taxpayer money, incidentally, uh, and does not do much, and in fact, has incited, incited people to some of this terror by inventing stories about Jews trying to take over the Temple Mount and so forth. So... It's really bad, I think, the thing for Republicans, conservatives, anyone who's pro-Israel to do now is to make clear that America stands with Israel and really look at suspending funding for us for the Palestinian Authority uh, and doing other things that really would show, uh, you know, that would embody a pro-Israel policy, not just, not just criticizing Obama and John Kerry. I think that's on the agenda for the new Congress, as is resisting a bad deal on Iran. So the new con- it's an interesting test. It's a moment of opportunity, but a moment of challenge for the Republicans in Congress, resisting Obama and immigration, figuring out how to begin to dismantle Obamacare, trying to, just, to stop a very bad and dangerous Iran deal, trying to make America pro-Israel again, uh, dealing with the U.N., which is such an outrage in so many ways. There's an awful lot on the agenda. Um, I think it's good. I mean, it's challenging. If the Republicans can pull, pull off some of this in a tough but sensible way, I think it would really help Republicans going into 2016. But... You know, I was traveling abroad a little last week and, and just thinking about President Obama's foreign policy. I mean, think about the Middle East. He wanted to get us out of Iraq, stay out of Syria, uh, pressure Israel, um, and cut a deal with Iran. All disastrous, all disastrous judgments, uh, which we're paying, unfortunately, a high price for. Uh, but you forgot the big success of resetting with Russia, Bill. Yeah, well, that's right. And when we get out of the Middle East, and I was in Europe, and that's, of course, there's a little more on their mind. I mean, they had to, I mean, the left wing in Europe, you know, is horrible on Israel. They, they, they get a huge amount of satisfaction from beating up Israel. But uh, the serious people there, we talked about Russia. And there, I'd say it's striking talking to the Europeans. They don't want to take on Russia. They've got commercial interests. They're never going to be out front. But privately, the degree to which they understand now, including these are liberals and lefty, left-wingers even in some cases, they understand that without American leadership, the whole West just kind of starts to collapse. Dictators around the world think they can get away with anything. They really are worried. I mean, these are, these are people who are all for Obama. Uh, that, you know, some, many, many of them were for Obama that I was talking with. Uh, and they were as worried about uh, the absence of American leadership as the, some of the Europeans I was with who were 
been you know more conservative. So it's pretty bipartisan in Europe. The disappointment with Obama, and I think a genuine fear of the way in which the world is creating out of control. And it's a fear I have too. It's a fear the Republicans in Congress have and should have. And so I think they're going to do a lot more foreign policy uh, legislating and pressuring and oversight over the, in the first three or four months. In addition to immigration, in addition to Obamacare, in addition to the budget, it's going to be a very uh, big, challenging agenda for the Republicans in Congress. But the good news is if they can sort of step up and, uh, in, in these various areas, they really could show a, an alternate path to Obama that would be very helpful, I think, going towards 2016. Well, if the Republican establishment has its usual success, no doubt there'll be a minority party in just a few weeks, Bill. Well, they, they, <laughs> that is the problem. The Republican establishment looks at what I just said and says, oh, my God, we can't do any of those things. That's much too hard. Let's keep our well, Don't worry. Down. Jeb let's Bush, just, will, hand, Jeb Bush will handle it all. Next, let's just renew the budget for the next seven months because we don't really want to fight on any of these things. No, no, no. I'm telling you, the, the uh, 2016 ticket of Bush-McConnell will handle all these problems, Bill Crystal. Thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. You just got me depressed, but thanks. <laughs> it was a pleasure nonetheless. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.